1: Hi guys, Sebastian here. For all the listeners that are based in Brisbane, I'm going to be helping out in a wrestling show held over in Bray Park at the Les Hughes Sporting Complex. If anyone's interested, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good show. It's hosted by the Australian Wrestling Federation. It's called Highway to Homecoming 5, building up to a pretty big event that they have coming uh, later on down the track that will be based over in Chermside. Uh, Doors are set to open at 6.30 on the evening on the 30th. Uh, Adults are $20, kids under 16 are $15, and currently if you go onto their website um, and get the tickets through there, you can get one adult ticket and a free ticket for a child under 16. So the website for that is tinyurl.com forward slash AWA Highway, and come along and pelt some garbage at me. Sounds fun? Cool. Hello and welcome to
2: Second Take Podcast. A plague on both your houses. I'm Zancy Webber.
1: I do, but keep the peace. Put up thy sword or gun. I, I, I guess, and I'm Sebastian.
0: You drink all and leave no friendly drop to help me after. I'm Andrew Shosler from Sister Podcast, A New World Order.
1: And this
2: week we are reviewing none other than the 1996 version of Romeo plus Juliet, directed by Baz Luhrmann, written by Craig Pearce and Baz Luhrmann and William Shakespeare. Sh- starring, starring. Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes, John Leguizamo, Harold Perrineau, Pete Postlethwaite, Paul Savino, Brian Dennehy, Paul Rudd, Vondie Curtis-Hall, Miriam Margoyles, Jesse Bradford, M. Emmett Walsh, Zach Orth and Jamie Kennedy. Okay, let's get Shakespearean.
1: Um, I was going to open with some sort of Shakespearean quote, but I got nothing. So, uh, <laughs> y- hello, all people of Cast Pod. Yep, that's it's it's Pick Latin, right? That's even Pig Latin. This is nothing. Oh. Hi, I'm Sebastian. How are you? You really lost it <laughs> yeah, this week. I'm lost it. got nothing. Oh. Hi, Andy. <laughs> hello, <from laughs> sister. Podcast a new world order.
2: Save save Seb before he dies.
0: I can't. Shakespeare has killed me. Also, hey,
1: you guys want to know where Alex is? Something, oh, yeah. something, exit, pursued by a bear. Boom. The wrong play, but Shakespeare got him good. That was from I, I thought Winter's Tale. So he did make it yeah, out of the bear,
0: or is this another bear?
1: This could be the same bear. How does, when does this come out? This comes out before the last chat, actually. So no, oh, no. a prequel.
0: Oh, yeah, oh.
2: no, I actually will. Yeah, so he's being pursued by a bear.
1: How will he get out of it we or into it? We'll,
2: we'll find, <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> we find
1: out on this week's How to Save. <laughs>
2: All right, so... Romeo plus Juliet, the 1996 Shakespeare adaptation by Baz Luhrmann, the second part of Baz Luhrmann's Red Curtain Trilogy and the second part of our review of Baz Luhrmann's Red Curtain Trilogy. You're all welcome. I love Baz Luhrmann. And I was prepared to suffer through this because I remember not liking it, but I didn't mind it. Romeo and Juliet is not my favourite Shakespeare um and it's not something that i actively enjoy and i think it's dreadfully overrated but i really enjoyed as always the heightened emotion the melodrama and the stylization that bazlumen brought to it it so, is
0: over the top it, definitely
1: De- <laughs> but well I mean, we'll talk about this when we get into the actual like nuts and bolts of the review I think when it comes to a story that everyone's very familiar with, over the top's not the worst instinct to go with just to keep it kind of fresh.
2: Well, even to justify the story, like this is a 21-year-old, a 14-year-old, Falling in love, getting married, killing each other's family, running away, commi- pretending to commit suicide, coming back to be with your dead lover, committing suicide, waking up, finding out that your lover's committed suicide and committing suicide. A
1: point of order. Waking in three up. three days. Waking up, seeing your significant other about to commit suicide and just being like, this is nice. I'm just going to bask in this moment and not say a <laughs> single word. Let's just let it wash over mm. you. Mm. Screaming at this movie at the end,
2: anyway. I mean, this movie. I mean, this story. You have to do with heightened emotion because it's all about ridiculous things that happen because of stupid emotion. That's just my interpretation <laughs> of it, of course. But and does anyone have any production notes other than me? I got two.
1: I got two really unuseful ones. Good. Well, that's all we give to our audience. So um, I normally do just one, but I I thought of one and I thought it was pretty good. So. Okay. Um, firstly, um, I actually did put in Romeo plus Juliet into my calculator and it just comes up with syntax error, so I think that's worth noting. <laughs> um, and this uh, is- got a very good calculator. Apparently You just not. haven't defined the variables that's of the problem.
2: R-O-M-E-O and the rest.
1: Um, um, and um, not many people know this, but this is actually uh, based off the works by uh, William Shakespeare. So, yeah. Hmm. That's all my trivia.
0: Based off or completely- Completely
1: scripted by. Oh, sorry. Um, this is a for a forgery. No, yeah. well replicated <laughs> off the works. It's um, a, some guy named William Shakespeare had something to do with the. It's an this adaptation,
2: film. and it's not strict to the script. There are little bits changed here and there. Also,
1: but it's not four hours long. I True. couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't tell the
0: difference between the script of, of this film and the genuine. Romeo and Juliet. No, it's it all just kind sounds, of stuff. It all sounds the same to me, and I get so lost in the language of any Shakespeare. I I struggle to enjoy any performance done authentically, unless they're screaming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when they, I found when they were screaming, it all just kind of washed over me on a good no, way. I was, I was like, oh. really? When Mac-
2: real, the screaming acting really got on my nerves. <laughs>
1: well, sorry, specifically uh, Mercutio.
2: Mercutio was great. Yeah, but when whenever Leonardo started screaming, I'm like, oh.
1: When he wasn't screaming, though, I felt like he was just like, well, guys, give me one line in Shakespeare. I've I've got nothing. I'm blanking it again. I feel like he was just like, hello, it is I, Leonardo, the Ninja Turtle. This is how we Shakespeare. When he was screaming, he was like, oh, emotion. We're going to see that in a few years.
2: Okay, well, we, we should talk about that later. Before. Yes. But any production notes, Andy?
0: Uh, DiCaprio was Baz Luhrmann's first choice. Yes. In fact, to drum up some money from the backers, uh, DiCaprio flew himself out to Australia to audition in person, even though he'd already been cast.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Well, it was to do like on spec video for backers to say, like, this is who we've got and this is what we'll be doing. So please give us
0: money. You should throw money because this is the guy who did Face in the Iron Mask and he's just a
2: kid. Yeah. Yeah. But he did have a name at this point. Really?
1: It was yeah.
3: Leonardo. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Alex oh. is not here. I have to make up the... Now,
0: before Before Titanic, I had never heard of him.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah, I never saw... Is it What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Was that the movie? Never saw that. that-
0: well,
2: I, I, I
1: hadn't seen it then. Neither did I. Yeah. yeah.
2: So he started acting in a TV series called Romper Room and Friends in 1979 when he was five years old.
1: Was he Romper Room? No, he
2: was called... <laughs> Child, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Now> <laughs> then
2: the new Lassie series, then The Outsiders, then Santa Barbara, then Roseanne, then Parenthood. Oh, was he the, t- the TV series
0: in Roseanne? Ah, uh, he right.
2: was uh, one of Darlene's classmates. Okay, yeah. Uh, Poison Ivy, Critters Three, Growing Pains, the TV series. Like he's been working. Like he's done non-stop a lot of things. Nineteen ninety. But, yeah.
0: but I didn't really know him as leo as as himself um until well his big
2: break for me was the basketball diaries right which is kind of like new york street urchin sort of lots of dick jokes and and like dick jokes (laughs) and drama you know that kind of sweaty new york youth comedy um it wasn't even comedy drama but yeah and then on to romeo and juliet the man in the iron mask actually happened after oh, did it really? Romeo and Juliet. Yeah.
0: I thought he did that in his teens. No, mm. so
2: Romeo and Juliet was 96, and then Titanic was 97, Iron Mask was 98.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah so he'd done even less than I knew. Oh, Typical lazy
2: actor. To, then he went on to like The Beach and Gangs in New York and Catching yeah, the Can yeah. and then he started yeah. getting on that real
0: star wagon. Yeah, All those films I know. Any more trivia? The... Chief hairstylist was kidnapped Button. and ransomed. During the production? Yeah, ransomed for $300. $300? $300. Is this in Which Australia? Baz but pa- yeah. Oh. oh, no, no, this one wasn't filmed in Australia, was it? No, I don't believe
2: so.
1: Just the, just the auditions happened in Australia?
2: No, no, no. He was looking for Australian money, so Leo flew over here so that he could make a tape for Australian backers. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Producers basically
0: $300, $300, I which can, they got. I could get that lemon and get more he for coughed, that. He, he, he got suckered in instead of just getting but, a new hairstylist. So, you wouldn't have paid the 300?
1: It's <laughs> obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I crunched the numbers. I've seen the value of a human life
0: 250.
1: <laughs> I guess.
2: So, uh, Neil Patrick Harris actually was considered ah. for Romeo.
1: I would have considered him for Mercutio.
2: Well, this was before he was gay icon Neil Patrick Harris. This was kind of in between um, his child acting days and his reemergence as a, mm-hmm. as a comedy actor. What was
1: Paul Rudd's character's <clears throat> name again? Paris. Him. Him would have been that one. Would have been a nice about a nice one too. Mm, yeah. yeah. Neil Patrick Harris can play a villain. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I don't think Paris is really a villain. He's just kind of a. He's just kind of doing. He's what standing he's in the way me. of
0: true love, Zane. He's trying to rip apart. No, her. it's the parents that are standing in the way
2: of true love. Paris is just an instrument. Like he's like, oh, you want me to marry and have sex with this fourteen-year-old? Sure, I'll do it. Is that is that what you want? Though I'll just just yeah. marry the fourteen-year-old. Yeah, on Thursday, be fine. Yeah, all right, let's do it. I'll rouse her on Thursday then, in the sexual sense, because it's Shakespeare. But uh, Natalie Portman was originally cast as Juliet. Oh, wow. But Baz Luhrmann was afraid that the age gap was a problem. Okay. Because it was eight years between Portman and uh, DiCaprio.
0: Because Claire Danes herself was barely 18, wasn't she? She was 17.
2: 17. At the start when it filmed. Right. Uh, so And Juliet's meant to be 14. Uh,
0: Even in the Baz Lemon version, she's supposed to be 14. Well, it's
2: never explicitly said, right. but Juliet is meant to be, is a 14-year-old girl basically because that's when they would get married at that time, so that's 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 what it was. Um,
0: See, I I, yeah. I struggle with Shakespeare for many reasons. One of them is, all right, if you're trying to do an adaptation of it in the modern world, why does so much of it – not make sense. Yeah. First of all, people don't talk like this. Gangsters don't take the time to muse about, you know, their 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 situation and and you know, Have come you up with ever something watched pithy thing. They just the classic
1: movie, <laughs> Eight Roof. mile. Oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, say like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, <laughs> where
2: there I, is there is a lot of exactly what you were saying. People right, don't do right. right. <laughs> no, and I I
0: I I get that it's a film. Right. Yeah it's, it's it's a story being told. It's not real, you know, it's not supposed to be realistic. I I just never understand with with Shakespeare what I'm trying what the producers, the filmmakers, the actors, what they're trying to tell me. Because it seems like a really confusing way of going about telling a story yeah. today. You know, it was written four hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, and a lot has changed with not just not just the language how we how we talk, but how we tell stories, what we think, what's culturally acceptable. Fourteen year old girls, no longer culturally acceptable no longer in culturally most acceptable. places on
2: earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unless you have the parents' permission, then yeah. <laughs> most of the US. That's, fine. that's true. <laughs> um, so Sam Rockwell auditioned mm-hmm. for Macchio, didn't get
1: it. Once again, maybe the Paul Rudd character, but not Macchio for that one.
0: Not
2: Ben-Cou- No, Sam Rockwell shouldn't. I yeah, don't, I don't think
1: he's he too good there. to be just Paris. But as as opposed to the Mikuša role, I don't think that would have been good for him. I don't think Sam Rockwell could have charisma. could
0: have played Brian Dennehy's role as Mr. Montague. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. Because yeah, he did nothing. So there were he, he, didn't, he didn't do anything no. in it. Yeah.
2: There were a number of other women considered for Juliet uh, after Natalie Portman was out of it. Any. And want to give me some 90s names. Oh. But they had to be really these, young. These are some big ones. There's some big 90s names. Big ones names. now? Well, even then. But the even were then. so
1: young, I wouldn't even know. Kate Winslet,
2: is she on the list? Kate Winslet on the list. I actually
1: thought Kate Winslet was Juliet before I had rewatched <laughs> this. Like, I thought that, like, I thought her and, because I, I swear, I thought her and um, DiCaprio had two films that they were together as lovers in. Right. But it obviously wasn't this one. But yeah, because I thought that she was off from Titanic as well.
0: Now, Claire Danes went on to do. Terminator
1: Three. Did she? Was that yeah. her? I
0: hadn't. I hadn't seen this movie when it first came out. I and I only knew Claire Danes as Juliet hmm. before um, before uh, Terminator Three. Actually, during it. Oh, she played Juliet. Well, she, she
2: did the English voice for Princess Mononoke after directly after this. Uh, then she was in Les Mis. Ugh. Igby goes down. we probably still in Les Mis. The That's Adders. how long that shit goes for. It's all about love. And yes, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Um,
1: with the other actresses that could have played Juliet, are they all American? Are they English? Uh, I'm, I'm all American, I believe. I
0: have Rachel, no idea. Rachel McAdams probably would have been too young at that point, wouldn't and she? And
1: relatively unknown as well, I think. Did she have an early career? Like a Claire Danes wasn't
0: that well-known, was she? I mean, how, how well-known can you be at 17?
1: Also, it is a Baz Luhrmann film, so it really doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: Sarah
2: Michelle Gellar.
1: Oh really? I've heard considered.
2: of her. Uh Jennifer Love Hewitt? Of course. Was, also. was she that young? Again, she's not that young. Mm. She would have been young at this point because it was 20 years ago. Yeah. But I mean Natalie Portman was considered and she was she
1: should have been like mid 20s. Yeah. Uh
2: and then Christina Ricci also. Oh, of course. I think she would have been an interesting yeah. choice, but I have a soft spot for Christina Ricci. Okay. I like her work. Yeah, so a lot of what the style of the thing he incorporated other Shakespearean stuff in, so like the guns that they were wielding were named sword, rapier, <laughs> dagger, et etc. et cetera. There is a very kind of annoyingly specific entry in in RMDB about what kind of guns they were using uh-huh. and what they were called instead. Ugh, whatever. <laughs>
1: oh. oh, but... We can get more into it during the thing, but, like, when Andrew said about, like, the choice of using the Shakespeare, Shakespearean language as opposed to modern English. Yeah. Like, I think, from memory, the word gun is actually used in the film, like. Yeah, Because guns were but around. But also is
3: the
2: word drug, like, it's, it's a lot of, mm. uh, there's a lot of little tweaks like that.
1: But pistols existed during the time that this was written originally. Not. Not no, they did. That, I yes, looked, they yeah.
2: did, but not in not that you would fight with them. You might duel with them, yeah, well, but not fight with them. They're having a street fight. Yeah. You wouldn't carry a gun
0: with you to fight
2: with them. But it's
1: just though that guns existed. Gun is actually said in the film, but then sword but they call are, them Not sword. in the same way that yeah.
0: we know them today. There weren't any bullets.
1: No, no, Bob saying but they, the word no, no, gun for, is for you in the to, film. For you to
0: load a gun, it was quite an elaborate. Yeah, you really had to
1: want to you know, kill them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it just like in the scene, the word gun is said, but in every other scene, they refer to their weapons as swords. It was just like, uh it was pick it, one. It was kind of
0: pretentious, as most of Baz Luhrmann stuff. I'm not and Shakespeare particularly thing. fan. <laughs> yeah, it was pretentious, but I did like. Um, as a as a stylization, how they played with their guns as if they were swords. That was yeah. that was kind of a nice little mm-hmm. thing. That, oh, okay, they're doing that. But then there's yeah.
2: also stuff. uh there's like Rosencrantzies. There's there's like a storefront. Oh yeah. Uh, when they go to have the duel with and Mercutio dies. Uh spoilers. <laughs> all right, this is literally <laughs> hundreds of years old. Yeah, but I don't know. But you didn't you mention it. Mandated to-, <laughs> to study in, in high school.
0: Didn't you? Watch the film in
3: preparation. <laughs> for Not for me. Him. I mean, I mean for our <laughs> listeners. <clears throat>
2: uh, but then, like, also in the Montague uh, corporate poster, there's retailed to prosperity, posterity, which is from Richard the Third. There's a whole bunch of like Shakespearean right. hints that he's pulled from other places, and this is one of the things I was talking about with Strictly Ballroom is how he kind of pulls from other things to put into a text. And again, we get the recurring Coke sign, but it's not Coke. It's it's the Spanish. Oh, you've
1: just terrified me that some director is going to try and do a joint Shakespeare universe franchise now.
2: (laughs) Do you think that it isn't already happening? It's been happening in theater for years, literal years, decades. But in
1: theater, yeah, not in yeah, that's not film, Zane. Yeah, this is a film. But it will. (laughs) (laughs) You have you have a theater
2: podcast. It's not this one. Shakespeare, as much as I'd like it to be, not a musical.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. This one tried.
2: All right. That's that's all. Well, it did try. Yeah. It did try. And there is a sample of Claire Danes screaming in Evanescence's
1: tourniquet. Oh. oh. Yeah. Oh. oh. Okay. <laughs> all
2: right. That's, that's enough production notes. I can see that you're getting bored. I got some really
1: cool babies I want to talk about.
2: No, too late. Uh, do you know how long it took to film that opening gas station sequence?
1: Three days. I'm going to say like a week. Like three weeks. Like five weeks.
2: It took exactly one e- week to film. Okay. But injury? with two extra days of pickups. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, right. no,
1: okay. under again. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: I, 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 I did like the billboard sign Um, they said, you know, uh, add fuel to the fire. Mm. Yeah. And then. I, I noticed in the film and then reading about it later um that he did include in in lots of billboards uh, lots of lines from other Shakespeare shows, yeah because that's
2: from King Henry the sixth
0: okay and as 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 difficult as Shakespeare can be for, for me at least to understand other people revel in it and I don't understand why or how but i I struggle to understand it but i I have to take a moment to appreciate the, the amount of uh, 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 words and phrases that Shakespeare is credited with introducing into oh, English absolutely. that we still use today.
2: He invented thousands of words. Yeah, yeah. and like a bubble. Oh yeah, I mean, like assassin. I mean, it's it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's assassin. No,
0: it's <laughs> something like a, close to a, a quarter of the words and the phrases that we have in common usage can be att- yeah, attributed to phrase, Shakespeare. Yeah. Qu- one is man. this an
1: accomplishment? I, I only say this because I could start coming up with words things and it's meaningless because i'm not one of five authors in the world well i think that's (laughs) what
2: we were talking while we were talking about like why people latch onto shakespeare he was the first to really get both have the talent and also have the following at the time like he was given the opportunity and he was like the first fad he was the first beatles the first justin bieber like people was he like, really that popular? Well, no. Like, no one has ever been that popular until the Beatles. But before anyone before him, like, yes, people would put on plays and people would go see them and you'd have a little bit of notoriety and you'd get right. wealthy patrons. But Shakespeare became an almost household name in England at least because he was, again, sponsored by royalty um, and he ha- had the Globe and so he kept putting stuff out and people kept – yeah, so he was kind of a fad okay. of the time. Okay. So, that's why he has such historical relevance because no one else of the time had that opportunity, yeah, or or at least um, made the most of it the way that he did.
0: He did churn out the material. That's yep. that's for sure. So uh, long plays. <laughs> <laughs> they were
2: handwritten some short ones. <laughs> Poor bastard.
1: <laughs> well,
2: yes,
3: he
1: he didn't write them. Is oh, it like he dictated them? Yeah, yeah. Usually, still a lot of talking.
2: Shall we move on to movie babies? I got some. Okay, by all means. I have three.
1: Okay, would it shock you to know that this film reminds me of any Romeo and Juliet film? (laughs) Um, the 2006 Macbeth, which was like the modern crime drama version. I forget what it was set in an American City. I'm forgetting which one, but it was let's just say Chicago. That sounds about right. I can can believe that. And uh, Batman and Robin. That was the last one of the Joel Schumacher films. Yeah. The, the, the flair, the color, all the shining oh, okay. shit. In, the way, way yeah. Bas Luhrmann and Schumacher have very similar visual styles yeah. for me. Um, more so, we'll talk about this next week when we do Moulin Rouge, but it's also quite evident here, but it wasn't evident during Strictly Ballroom. Strictly Ballroom felt more like a... Well, I think Alex nailed it last time when he said it was like best in show. Like it had a very grounded, almost documentary style without the cutaways. Right.
2: I think that really yeah. speaks to the budget. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: Whereas this film is next next week's more colorful, but it's, we're on the Schumacher <laughs> path
2: here. See, I would say that this one is probably as glitzy, just in a more realistic style. Like it doesn't have all the magical realism that you find in a Moulin Rouge, or even in uh, Strictly Ballroom. It's definitely it's, but it's definitely as stylized.
0: It's like, uh, very with, bright, very colorful, and yeah. he
2: really makes again, like I mentioned in Strictly Ballroom, the use of pop pop culture images so the use of billboards as scenery and color yeah. as well as neon signs etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah so uh do you have movie babies
0: not not like traditional movie babies i really struggled to think of anything that wasn't some <laughs> variation of, of romeo the, and juliet previous romeo and juliet because it's a story that's been told and well, retold that's why i did three feel like i cheated <laughs> But in in driving over here, I couldn't get the thought out of my mind of how much it reminded me of Braveheart. Um, in that, you know, it's a, it's, oh, a, it's, yeah, a, it's a secret relationship, that, yeah. and while he they don't commit suicide um, for one another, um, William Wallace remains, um, you know, committed to to his 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 wife, his genuine love. Yeah, and they really did fall in love. It wasn't just some lustful thing over three days. Yeah. And people will disagree with me about that, but. <laughs> I, I,
2: I would say, and it's been, it's been discussed a lot, like yeah. I, I, just because it is lust doesn't mean that it isn't love. And because you're teenage, it, it is the, the, the most intense experience you've ever had and you're an idiot anyway. Yeah. And so you have this making you
0: more of an idiot. But yeah. It, it, it reminded me of Braveheart in that in that in that sense. It was violent as well. Yeah, I shouldn't admit this
1: on the show, but I've actually never seen Braveheart. Really? It's one of those ones that just. Why I would just you just not
2: admit that on this show? You haven't seen a lot of movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's just some movies that are like you know cornerstones in you know film history that it's I just good. it's a good I haven't film. seen because like the age I am, I wasn't going to watch Braveheart when I was like nine or ten because I just wasn't like I was watching you know yeah. other things. Yeah. Like Sesame Street. I don't, I don't know. And the Warriors. <laughs> the Warriors I watched in high school. Uh, My movie
2: babies are uh, Anna Karenina, a kind of classic relationship, big mm-hmm, melodramatic mm-hmm. sort of story crossed with the birdcage.
0: Aha, uh-huh, yes. Robin Williams yes, and yes.
2: Uh, Nathan Lane because that's definitely kind of the setting in that kind of, I guess, they're in Miami uh, or Venice Beach, but so it's kind of the same area but also the very and glitzy and uh, colourful. Yeah. Hmm. So, tweet Nopsies.
0: Death by Snoo Snoo.
1: Oh. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Proof that at least two working directors in the late 1990s, uh, plus I think this film was like 2001. This movie came out in 2001, 2002. 96. Moulin Rouge came out in 2001, 2002. <laughs> Good. Well, I can, it, 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 let's retake that one, guys. Don't <laughs> worry, we'll edit it in. No. Uh, proof that at least two directors in the uh, 1990s really hated the idea of Leonardo DiCaprio living through a film. Um, <laughs> yep, let's go with that. I had to edit out half of it because it didn't make sense. <laughs> so, done. I'm As done. always, the real villain is the
2: Postal
0: Service. <laughs> <laughs> it re- he made no attempt whatsoever to flag him down. He, he, he knocked on yep. the door and, like, and he was walking away, but he just behind the trailer, he was yep. hitting, hitting nails with a bat or something. <laughs> and then when he's driving away, he's looking at him drive. He's holding the thing, he's very obviously holding a very important message, yep. and he's not flagging anybody down. He's just looking at DiCaprio drive away. Yep. <laughs> sure. No effort. No effort at all to get that urgent message.
2: Oh, good. All right. So, good or bad? What are we talking about? Are they like our ranking of the movie? Was the movie good or was it bad?
1: (laughs) Uh, Let's start with the good, I think.
2: I I really like Leonardo DiCaprio in this. And I think it is, I think it's because of the comparison to Claire Danes. Because I really, she was really kind of plastic for me. She really kind of played the Barbie doll and... Granted, Juliet isn't given a lot to do. I
0: was I was just about to say, can she can she be interesting at all?
2: I mean, I've seen Juliet played compellingly before. Okay. Um, and I honestly think it's just an age thing. Uh, because this is the first time she's ever done Shakespeare, uh, Claire Danes. And on it it, it was it was DiCaprio's choice. He pushed for Dan for Danes okay. because she was the only one who actually looked him in the eyes during the audition. I mean, that's <laughs> While, yes, you do want that, I don't think that that's the sole thing that you cast on. Like someone with a little bit of Shakespearean experience because it is difficult to get meaning across in this language, yeah. especially for a modern audience who may not have any exposure to Shakespeare before this, or at least the actual speech of Shakespeare. The
0: box office would would say that uh, they loved it.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I think the box office loved the visuals and maybe the song aspect of the film. I don't think it's the language. The
2: soundtrack in Australia went platinum five times yeah. that but, year. Wow!
1: Which I'm not going to say means Baz Luhrmann was cheating by not having any original music. <laughs> but no, I'm going to say that he cheated. Cheating
2: that he didn't have any original music. It's a soundtrack.
1: No, no. But like he bases a lot, entire
2: no mu- a lot of music. And a lot of movies doesn't have any original. <laughs> I know, but when
1: it's been it's based so heavily off the music, it's like Guardians of the Galaxy. No one's gonna be like, "Oh my god, the brilliant sound design!" Like, yeah, it's it's lovely. You've set a good scene with your music, but you did no work to do this. You you came up with a fun playlist. It's not a. No, I am not kidding. It's lazy. I don't know. It's good. Re- it works. He's
2: rearranged um, like every song in there, oh, and like personally, on. like he writes that into the into the script. That's. His trademark.
1: I feel like it's just lazy. I don't like. I won't say it's bad. I enjoy it, but I I just don't feel like a lot of good work was put in behind it. Like I can enjoy something that's cheap and nasty. We all like donuts, guys, but they're mass produced <laughs> in hundreds of thousands of quant- in quantity, but they're delicious and that's fine. This is a uh, lazy but enjoyable.
0: What happens if your talent is taking something that is already fine and established and popular and? electrifying it to to make it really super special. It's like taking a donut.
1: No, I'm with you. Ryan. Right? Yeah.
0: But glazing it and putting heaps of toppings in it and injecting all sorts of things into it. So it turns into this Franken-donut that is twice the size of it's the original It's pretty much one. a, a
3: clear by this point. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: Nothing but sugar and it looks beautiful and you just, you know... You almost don't want to eat it because it's so pretty to look at, but it also
2: looks so tasty that you can't help but eat the whole thing in one sitting and regret it for the rest of the day. The rest of your life.
0: So what happens when that is your when that is your talent, when that's the thing that you are superb
1: at? Editing is always easier than creating, and I'm not saying it's not necessary. It is necessary. It's great that it happens, I'm just saying let's not you know, so roll you feel- out the red carpet for this guy because he did something that was v- necessary <laughs> but very easy. Do you?
2: It's not very easy. I'm sorry, I'm going I'm to argue with you because are you saying that about the entire Marvel universe? Because they're just editing the comics into movies.
1: Yeah, it, when, when the job is when all easy. the creative work is right? done for easy. you and you don't have to take risks or you don't have to think something through for yourself and you can just take something for verbatim and translate it somewhere else, it is lazy it can be entertaining. Like, I'm not saying this film's not entertaining because of it. I'm just saying, let's not act like this guy's an auteur. Like he's, it's great. Good job, mate. You You worked out how to put a fun <laughs> song in the scene. Good on you. Like I it's, could, it is what it is guys.
0: I could understand you arguing that it's unoriginal. And I wouldn't agree with you completely about that because even, even editors bring something original to, um, to something they're creating. Even, even if all they're doing is, you know, cutting something short or extending something and, yeah, playing some music over it. They're, they're taking all these bits to make something that is better than all of those bits are individually. Yeah. That's not lazy. That takes an incredible amount of work to to achieve
1: that. It's, what they're doing is great. I'm just saying if all this work didn't go on before it. And why didn't you bring this go.
2: up during our Edgar Wright <laughs> series? Because this, this is w- exactly what he does.
1: With putting in other people's music yeah. to a beat. Yeah. He had like one song in each movie, Zane. One song. One song that was done like to the like beat in time with the rest of the movie. yeah. Why
2: didn't you bring that up? Like, why didn't you have an original? Because score? he did
1: one song like at the beginning of, like, The World's End where there's, like, that little bit of a music video when he's all getting ready. Have you seen Baby Driver? No, I haven't seen it yet. Because it's the whole movie. Well, <laughs> I'll, when I watched
2: that. <laughs> whole movie. I haven't seen it, Zane. And even the protagonist is about sampling real-life sounds and putting it <laughs> into Maybe I'll your- hate it. I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. Good. Well, I, when we talk about it, I hope that you bring it up, that you hate it, because this, I, I think, it is harder to synthesise 20 different artists' work into one cohesive piece of art then to get a composer to watch your movie and compose the score
1: for the director, maybe for the composer, I think that's also a hard job. <laughs> Someone's putting in the hard job. It just, it just, you're just, we're just shifting who does the work here.
2: Okay, yeah. And Baslam is doing the work of two people. Then is that what we're arguing? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really about.
1: But no, like I said, it's good. I just don't think it's as big of a deal as you guys are making it sound out like it is. I
0: think you brought it up. <laughs> I brought out how much of a not a big deal <laughs> it was in the good <laughs> session.
1: I'm just saying it's fine. Like It is good. I enjoyed it. It's just, you know. Baz
0: Luhrmann films, I've, I find I enjoy them in the same way I do Tarantino films in that they are exquisite. I don't necessarily enjoy them or like them, but I can't help but appreciate how much work goes into them and how incredibly, you know, Artistic yeah. and, and exquisite. I I, yeah. I I can think of no other word to describe. Yeah, that's, that's a really
2: yeah. interesting comparison because yeah. I, did we talk about this on the on Kill Bill? I think so. Yeah, uh, because like the amount of research and knowledge that Bazlam brings to this project, and that he puts like these quotes in the background, and he in the renaming of the oh, yeah, the it's guns a, and whatever, like the the amount of information that he synthesized yeah. and put into this movie to make. Well, really, to like um, escalate this story of Romeo and Juliet um, is amazing. Like, I think this is this is a really even more so than Strictly Ballroom, and even more so than Moulin Rouge that comes after this. This movie, because it is Romeo and Juliet, it's a known story. Seeing what he can do to make it his own and add emotion into it just through style and editing. Is amazing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. This is why I like Baz Luhrmann.
1: It's very fun. <laughs> it has a good pace. Like it is. It, it really okay. Like I said, we've all everyone knows this story. It's ridiculous. Depending on what angle you come at it from, like these kids. It's. Just, <laughs> I've heard arguments for why what they're doing <laughs> is not <laughs> stupid, but it's, it is stupid. Okay, John
0: Leguizamo's character Tybalt is the only character. Than I can actually identify yep. with. Everybody else does not make sense and is doing stupid things for Don't stupid even reasons. No, Mercutio I had a I had fight with my wife about Macrucio. <laughs> uh,
1: I'd love to hear about this. <laughs> no, Part no. Pull the curtain into your household, please.
0: <laughs> well, when he when he dies, um, a, she's incredibly moved by it and 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 hurt that that this wonderful character. And I'm kind of like, eh. He was hanging out with gangsters. What did he think was (laughs) going to happen? You're not wrong. He was was literally their drug dealer. But uh, but I
2: think, like, he more than anyone is very aware of the ridiculousness of what's happening around him. Like, he has this distance from both families Mm. to say, like, there's no real reason that you're still fighting. It's just pride now. And then he suffers for it and dies. Like, I'm not particularly moved. By his, it was death. a beautiful
0: scene, and and him yeah. trying to you know be, be brave and cover it up. No, I'm fine, guys. But you know, really, I've suffered a mortal wound. I get, I get that. I, I yeah. appreciate that. You know, the character is trying to be that strong. I, I just didn't, didn't sympathise with it.
1: I okay, I don't sympathise with anyone in films. I'm like a <laughs> sociopath, but I. From this aspect of this was a really fun character that now we're losing extra moments of that part of me was like, well, I'm here. I knew where it was going and everything, but you know we're losing a real fun element of this film. But the rest of the film is not going to really be fun for me after this point, regardless. <laughs> no. So it kind of his death is well, I, it is exactly the tonal shift that this this take of the film needed because wasn't a fun role in the original piece. See, he's just Oh uh,
2: no, he always was. He, like was, that, always, he was always this level of fun though, kind of the the comic relief yeah like he he's making fun of romeo for falling in love and saying well look other women have vaginas too he come and have some fun he gets them into the party yeah and uh, to start with and- but i mean
1: the way that he's presented in this film where he's kind of like a he's a jester
2: yeah, yeah. he or he it, but, classically he has been yeah like he he does play that role
1: oh it's a good little his death is a good little signifier all right Fun's over now. <laughs> it's time for the kids to kill themselves. Like, oh, and but
2: again, I don't know whether to put that. I'm going to put that down to Shakespeare. That is the tone is, yeah. that is like it starts out yes, 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 and then Mercutio dies and everything goes to hell. But Lerman has taken that and put it into the actual style of the film. Like it's glamorizing this this gangster life where they meet at a gas station and they shoot out there's helicopters with the chief of police screaming through a megaphone at them and then the gas station explodes and then they go to this bigger than life party and they're all dressed up as angels and knights and kings and queens and then this really opulent life and then it goes straight to desert after it. Yep. Like I think that sort of that's what I'm talking about like Lerman's ability to take and heighten what is already in the text.
1: Actually, when you mentioned the party scene, I do want to pay a big compliment to, I guess it could be Lerman or maybe his director of photography, whoever it was, um, the the first sort of meeting of Romeo and Juliet through the fish tank. Through the fish tank. Really well shot. Like I really enjoyed that just from yeah. a pure like, how pretty is this moment? Um, and that's, I mean, the party scene was the party scene, but like I really enjoyed that little bit just there. So there are some nice little visual flares he throws in alongside the music. But, I mean, that, that's what this film is. This is eye candy. But also
2: the, also the Jesus um, over Miami. Was all, that was all CGI, but mm-hmm. it was a great... Yeah, the actual, the
0: actual statue is like... Two feet tall. Yeah, or yeah tiny, <laughs> tiny. <laughs> but then
2: you get the, the blue neon crosses that are everywhere, yeah. just kind of, yeah.
0: It is beautiful. And that's why I would... it. And And while it is a film, I wouldn't judge it as a film, it is living art, you know, mm-hmm. moving, moving art.
2: Uh, well, I, I wanted to talk about Magusho. Magusho's performance was great. Yeah. Um, Everybody uh, Harold was pretty Perino. good. Well, yeah, the only performance that really let me down was Claire Danes.
1: See, I um, thought her and Romeo were both kind of wooden. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, Leo, from, I mean, given my mood, maybe he's a bit better here, maybe he's a bit worse <laughs> here, but, like, I thought they were both kind of bland.
2: Leo... I think Leo looked good compared to Claire Danes, but I think that was I think having them be the least interesting things to look at on the screen was a choice because it I think Lerman's version of Romeo and Juliet is less about Romeo and Juliet. It's more about the the kind of pressure that is pushing them into this situation. The families, especially especially Juliet's mother, who's obviously sleeping with Tybalt, and then the father who is trying to marry her off to the governor's son like I think that is what it is more about so yeah. I think it's it it was a stylistic choice to have them to tone it down and not make it dramatic between them uh more cuz everyone else is just like so <laughs> big and over the top all the time and when it gets to them they're like they're having like a real love moment in these 3 days that they know each other. It's ridiculous <laughs> but uh <clears throat> teenagers what are you going to do kill them all right
1: yep oh can we go talk about the bad now we can talk about the bad I know the story is the story. Everything is, it's going to be what it is. I get that. I'm not going to, I know I am going to wage a little bit of war with uh, William, but I'll get there in a bit. I mean, I'm
2: not going to fight. I'm not going to fight you because I think the world will do it for me. Yeah.
1: But this part is, this is a choice that I dislike and it was Baz's fault. And it was the the very end when um, Romeo thinks Juliet's dead, goes take the poison. She's waking up. She's awake. She's staring at him with this vial of poison in his hand, and it is very slowly, in such a well paced moment, heading towards his mouth. And she is like fully awake at this point, like she's no longer doing that thing, which is like over blinking and just coming to us up. And it's just like the the, that's just this stupid crossover moment. And it, my only guess is, is it possible because he wanted us to think that maybe she would speak up and he would have like an ending change to this? Because everyone knows the story. Is it just to be like, hum. It is
2: possible. I also think that comes down to editing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, well, in, in the logic of the of the story, Juliet at this point, you know, thinks that uh, Romeo has received the priest letter, that he knows exactly what's going on. That she's he's come to take her and away. And he's come to take her away mm-hmm. because that's what he was supposed to do. So he's there. I don't know. They're, they're young and... They take drugs and drink or whatever. So oh, maybe. Why on earth would she think? Why on earth would her first reaction? She was be, crying. Yeah, but why would her first reaction to the vial be? Oh my god, it's poison! I should stop him. No, she doesn't know what's in there. It could be, you know,
1: absinthe. Something. I guess.
2: And yeah. also, <laughs> I think between the editing and the lack of clarity on Dane's behalf, I think that leads to that obscurity.
3: Hmm. Yeah,
1: I thought it worked actually. But- it worked in a way that I was screaming. <laughs> um I can see but, what you're meaning. Like that yeah. moment
2: dragged on maybe one or two seconds too long to for me to be comfortable <laughs> with what I knew the story was yeah. gonna be. Not as
1: bad as the fake out Deadpool death at the end of Deadpool 2. not, uh, not as not as prolonged as that, but still, yeah. <laughs> it's just like you are fully aware, you're fully cognizant, and you just even just didn't even have to say stop. It was just like good morning, anything, like she just woke up. (laughs) She could have sneezed, any noise, just so he'd look. Because they're fucking 30 centimetres. And And you just need to look down for half a second. That's right. And And
2: that's the real tragedy (laughs) of Romeo and Juliet. He He didn't didn't pay enough
0: attention to
3: it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he didn't go far enough.
1: (laughs) Some (laughs) people do define tragedy as... Um, knowing what an outcome a negative outcome is, and knowing that there's no way that you can stop it, even though you see it coming, and if you're following that definition, yeah, big tragedy. <laughs> but in any any other case, it's just like oh, just like have like a sniffle, like anything. It was just so perfectly quiet while she stares well, and whole, do this. The
0: whole situation was an overreaction. Like the only way she can think to get out of this marriage is to fake her own death. Yep. Oh, you're- <laughs> That's the only way
3: that I, she can get out I of it. I feel like she's been going
1: to my school of D&D characters because I'm like, oh, I've been caught. Time to fake my own death and start again in a new town. Like,
3: so...
1: so- Maybe, oh, actually, I was saying we'll put this into context. Uh, my D&D character is sh- obviously on a Shakespearean <laughs> level, is what I'm trying to say. Everything's exaggerated. Stuff doesn't always make sense. I make up words all the time, and faking my own death is the best option out of something. I don't think you faked your own death. Not in this campaign, but in <laughs> other campaigns I have. <laughs> and it's coming. It's, you know it's coming. So, yeah, I'm going to take that compliment. Thank I'm you, Sebastian. <laughs> <a bit> <laughs>
0: The language is the is the big problem for me um, yeah. because I I struggle to understand it I I can understand what's what's going on you know in the in big context, picture yeah. but it's all the all the details all the little things that people say that I just I find I can't enjoy anything because I'm trying so hard to understand exactly what they're talking about
2: see I don't I don't know whether it's just me or that I may have had more ex, more like exposure to right. Shakespeare but I find the first five minutes of a Shakespeare text I do have that same trouble but okay. as soon as I kind of get into it and get into the rhythm of what they're saying I don't have that trouble anymore. Okay. But like I understand like that that and that is kind of the big question when someone is going to adapt a Shakespeare uh text is whether or not they're going to do it in Shakespeare's words or whether yeah. they're going to adapt adapt it to modern uh, so,
1: my technique when I'm listening is to not, if you read like line by line, like you focus on it, I find that you always fall behind a little bit. I yeah, just try I, and. I, I, I can't help but try and. Yeah. yeah. I try to like chill out, watch it, but not intently listen to everyone. Cause I find like my brain will just piece together this okay. word, this word, this word, this word. How would they work in a sentence if we were going to, you know, phrase it like we do now? Okay. And it just kind of happens and you get the juice It's like reading poetry. But if you're yeah.
0: comfortable with that, then I have to think, all right, if, if the story still makes sense without including every single word, why are you including every single
1: word? Why are you? Because the English language is all about including things that shouldn't be in places. <laughs> but oh no, like honestly, though. See, I'm, I'm
0: I'm thinking about this all in the background when I should just be enjoying the story, and I I can't help myself, and I never enjoy it. But that's why you got to focus on all the pretty visuals right. and all the all the pop music. Right? <laughs> like,
1: it's a pop. It's just popcorn everywhere, right? I I didn't
0: hate it. Like I I, did, I don't particularly care for Shakespeare's. Um, uh, plays it all. I know they're epic stories that have been told and retold for thousands of years, but I, n- I never enjoy the story. But but seeing seeing the film, it is it is art. i I can appreciate it for that. It is it is a beautiful um, collection of people doing some pretty horrible and questionable <laughs> things to each other. And that's what movie
2: should be. Yeah, <laughs> that's what
1: marriage should be, <laughs> or at least courtship. Yeah. <laughs> Um. So we are, we are doing negatives, right? Yeah. Oh, you know,
3: I don't just, know. I, I got nothing
1: apart from just yeah. That end scene really. I, I, I'm. I just want to stand, sit here and complain about Shakespeare. Like the stories are a little bit dumb in areas. I mean, and that's, that's just,
2: literally what we just did. I know, but like,
1: but what do I mean to say? Like, it's it's just a bit stupid sometimes. It doesn't. Some I know it's meant to be like where exaggerating certain scenes as sort of a, oh, it's not, not parody, but like but lampooning the idea of teenage love in a way. Like not, you know, lampooning with probably the wrong word too, but, but sensitive there. But you yeah, the idea. so
2: what you're, I get what you're trying to say. I think uh, a better way to say it would be that Shakespeare really distilled this story, which is a common story throughout all of history, all of human history, of boy and girl falling in love and having to fight to be together. He distilled that into this text by using archetypes. And I'm sure that at the time this was a genuine tale. Uh, But now that we know so much more about like human interaction and we've got beyond this sort of tribalistic sort of idea, like we can then put that other layer of meaning on top of this text and say, well, it's about stupid people doing stupid things. where. Shakespeare was more about saying like this is humans doing human things and sometimes they're stupid (laughs) and sometimes they don't work out. Like there are other things that I'm sure that the friar could have done rather than get (laughs) Juliet to pretend to die. I'm sure he just had this drug and was like, I need to use this somewhere. Once
1: again, my D anD D characters. It's in my inventory. I have to use this this un, un unbreakable glue that I have. I'm like we just have to glue someone's hand to a doorknob. <laughs> no choices here. That's all I have. Um,
3: and, this, and
2: again, yeah, like you you bring it back to D anD D, but it is like very simple story yeah. tropes that Shakespeare made famous, and therefore we have the we have them to hark back to.
1: Do you think that maybe sometime in his life he felt restricted by like a parent or parental figure, and he was like in 1600s England? He's just like probably. He's like, how that I'll show them for trying to control my life. I will write a tale telling them how bad things could have gone. (laughs) Oh, don't want to marry that girl, eh? Suicide, double suicide. (laughs) Take that, or I don't know. I. Bit off topic. I always hate the term. They refer to them as like star crossed lovers. And when I hear crossed, I always just think of like, yeah, the stars were crossed with you because they <laughs> drove you both <laughs> to commit double suicide. As opposed to like, I, I didn't feel like the fates were pulling them apart. I just felt like, man, this was, just, this was just damned from the beginning, wasn't it? Like, there was no no hope here. This wasn't a, this wasn't, you know, two bodies being led to, together by like divine intervention. This is like God saying, like, all right, follow that path and you're cool, you're dead. Like, just- I felt like they were being set up by, as a joke, rather than right, <laughs> rather than like, oh, look, you found your soulmate.
0: <laughs> what does what does Starcross lovers mean? I always interpreted it as being blinded to anything else.
1: Oh, I always took it as like, was it like like a greater power like intervening and pulling them together, like right. they were like soulmate sort of thing? That's how I always interpreted it. I'm not sure if there's a maybe we might both be wrong. Who knows? Uh, it-
2: relationship that's like doomed to fail. So it, it's oh, fated course. that it's going to fail.
0: Why? How, it sounds how, how so did get that end up starting? Yeah, maybe well, like the, the,
2: the stars direction. are telling you where to go, and if you follow them, you fail. Oh okay, maybe the yeah. stars are, <laughs> maybe the stars
1: are crossed, isn't there there's two stars and they're both giving contru- um, contributing conflicting <laughs> advice. So like their advice radiates down like beams of light <laughs> up to the earth, but they're crossing over because they're gonna <laughs> different places. And no, that's, it's
0: astrology. It's
1: astrology.
2: <laughs> is what we're going for. She's a Taurus, he's a Libra. It was never and- gonna
1: work.
0: <laughs> Damn it.
1: <laughs> Solved Shakespeare, guys. If there's ever, like, a, a Shakespeare quote, like, Dan Brown novel, we got this. <laughs> we, were, we Googled what Star loves me you see uh, Professor Langdon and, uh, like, what his name is? Tom Crowe. Langdon Hanks. Yeah. Landon, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> We've worked it out. <laughs> is that it? Are we done? Do you want to move on or is there any more complaints <laughs> about this movie or compliments about I, this movie?
2: I don't have anything else to bring up. Andrew? It was beautiful. Yeah. It was. All right.
1: What did you think, Seb? I actually liked it. I was really annoyed with last week's movie um, when we did Strictly Ballroom. I just thought it was pretty dull and not very engaging. Whereas now he's got a bit of a budget behind him. And he can be fun. Like, I I did bring him back to, like, you know, Joel Schumacher in the 90s, which most people would think is a diss. I think Joel Schumacher, like, especially when he did like, all the crazy shit he did with Batman, was not what I wanted at the time. But it's it's fun in its own right if you accept it for what it's going to be. And same with this film. Like, this is a really boring story given that it's been told so many times. The story is shit. Yeah. And shit by where it goes as a narrative (laughs) and by times we've seen this exact narrative. Yeah. But him playing around with what he could do. I can't change the story, but I can flare up the visuals. I can put some fun music into it. I can just focus on all these enjoyable elements around this dull story and make it work. And he does. So this is probably my, if I had to sit through any version of Romeo and Juliet, It's probably going to be this one. Like I've never, I'm not a fan of the story regardless, or at least this one was entertaining in the way they did it. So yeah, uh, I can recommend that one. Andrew. Yeah, definitely.
0: If you're well on, on the reasons why you would want to watch this. um, Yeah. As, as an intro to uh, Shakespeare, maybe there are better versions that, that are more true to the original uh, uh, script. Yeah. but as far as this one is concerned, yeah, it's as a as a film visually, um, it is it is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and if you can detach yourself from the story and enjoy a film for the, uh, the the cinematography and all the and all the efforts that go into making it look good, this is definitely one to one to see. Absolutely,
1: Zane.
2: Uh it's it's no surprise that oh, I it's no <laughs> is it <laughs> that I uh I will recommend this film watching it again I've actually upgraded it from like my least favorite Baz Luhrmann to not my least favorite Baz Luhrmann oh. Was that um, just
1: including Australia or just being the Red Curtain trilogy? Uh
2: no including Australia. Okay. I, I don't hate on Australia as much as other people do. Um But, like, I remember watching this. It's been a long time since I've watched it, and it's always been, like, this is the one that you kind of have to take a step back and enjoy from afar rather than actually getting involved. But watching it, like, especially the first two acts, are really engaging. They're super high energy. The editing, the cinematography, the colour, the performances are really, really distracting. Like, (laughs) like, like they, they never let you think back to yourself, oh, okay, no, this is just Romeo and Juliet. I know where this is going. They they pull you into the movie. And I think that is a real achievement. And uh, the music is great. The editing and just the camera tricks, this is really, I think, where and found his real voice, like right. with a budget, being able to... Uh, really kind of find what works and what didn't without having to go with just kind of like, we have one day to get all this dancing done. Let's get it done. Um, So, yeah, this is a definite recommend from me. And I'm going to do a... (sighs) That's a bad instinct. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because
1: the two mains and the only entertaining character do not make it out of this film. I'm doing a sequel. (sighs) Okay.
0: Every, every, everybody's dead, though.
1: Everyone that matters is dead, except yeah. for Mercutio, who is now alive and half <gasps> robot. Okay. This is.
0: <laughs> oh, do you remember- I was not expecting s- sequel. But that's why I put <laughs> the best character back. I'm completely thrown. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, the war between the families rages on, and they're now technocrats with you know, okay. Terminator style lasers and things like that.
1: Oh, then I'm going to change Mercutio from half robot to half fairy. <laughs> oh, that feels insensitive. <laughs> I, I just wanted to do magic rather than technology. Um, he's now a centaur. Done.
2: All right. So this is taking place in the afterlife.
1: <laughs> the, the future.
2: The, the afterlife <laughs> where of the future. <laughs> um, yeah, so the while they made peace on Earth, uh, there are a lot of uh, Capulets and Montagues who have passed on who <laughs> were not so forgiving. Um, and while Romeo and Juliet have disavowed them, they, the war continues and uh, Mercutio plays somewhat of a uh, a trickster in this one. So he's actually playing the two sides off against each other. Is he still a centaur? Yeah, he <laughs> got his wish of being half horse. That's what he wanted. That's what he wanted, and so he now has magic because he's best friends with Queen Mab, who <laughs> also lives here. A plague
1: uh, on both your houses. Also, so, I want to be a horse when I die. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. So
2: she she turns someone into a donkey in a Midsummer's Night Stream, and this is going to be the start of a Shakespearean expanded. This is universe, part of the trilogy of horse people. You, you did this, Sam. Now yep. you made this and this is a thing and of course we'll have to include the transformers in this because when transformers die they get conscripted into the capulet and montague armies nice uh i'm not i'm gonna say that the capulets uh capulets are gonna be the the autobots
1: good no can i can i can i argue for the other way around sure so Um, Megatron in some of the stories can turn into just a giant pistol. (laughs) And if it was the Capulets, he would turn into a catapult and it's like kind of like, yeah, instead of a pistol, he turns into a catapult, Capulet, catapult. Why wouldn't he turn
2: into a pistol? They literally had pistols.
1: He turns into a pistol, but everyone's like, that's a pretty big sword.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) He he
2: turns into Tybalt's pistol. There we go. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, Wait, was Tybalt, Tybalt was a Montague?
0: No, he was for the Capulets. John Leguizamo.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah. Then yeah, we will switch it around so the Tibble <laughs> and Megatron can be on the same side. I'm okay with this,
1: <laughs> but as long as they only refer to no, the pistol, that would make the Capulets. A- yeah, the
2: Autobots. Yeah, all fine. We're great. And so that, that's, that gets Midsummer's Night's Dream kind of teasing that out. She so can turn people into equine-like creatures. Uh yeah. So Titania. Uh, <laughs> good. And that and yeah, so we'll have like a trilogy of Transformer Magic Wars in the afterlife
1: and the end. You were saying I was going to get the hate mail for all the Shakespeare bashing, but you did this. Let's just that's fine. I'm not. I'm happy with this.
2: This is the least offensive thing that's ever happened (laughs) to any Shakespeare. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) There are some truly offensive Shakespeare reinterpretations out there. I'm actually really
1: curious because you got the um the. And then they fucked that. Uh, the slash fiction. Yeah. Well, just fan fiction. fan fiction. Yeah. Is there any? Um. Is there much Shakespearean stuff in that pile?
2: Uh, I'm just curious. I don't think we have done. We have been on a bit of a theater bent lately, so I wouldn't be surprised if it shows up eventually. I mean, to be
1: fair, Shakespeare has a lot of relationships that shouldn't happen within their own fiction to begin with. So.
2: Yeah. N- not. Not a lot of canon stuff, though. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Well, mm. good luck with that. The
2: Titania <laughs> does kind of want to have sex with a donkey at some point.
1: Classic. Before we go, Andrew, where are you from? I am from Sister Podcast,
0: a new world order where Seb, Zane, and I all lead fictional nations.
2: And who's winning currently?
0: Well, Seb actually. Yeah. He has the most points at the moment because I didn't spend mine. <laughs> no, because you didn't attack
2: either. Of us. Yep.
0: I'm 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 regretting my attack already. It was. <laughs>
2: It was funny. It was because I, I retaliated. I, no, yep. I,
0: <laughs> it's all fun and games until no, it's a it war. Yeah, it was because I was kind of friendly kind of pushing you and leaving you with an option that was downgraded version of, mm. uh, of, of the mm. one you wanted to take. But no, you instead uh, retaliated full force against me and took away my only good option, and I didn't like that very much. Zane Australia really
2: doesn't appreciate being told what to do. <laughs> Well, I think su- Australians are as stubborn as I
0: am. I would like to suggest a, a, a ceasefire. Nope. Uh, no, <laughs> Vito.
2: Vito. no, no you're, you know what? Yeah, let, let's, let's ceasefire between us and we'll just focus on seven. I like that. Good.
1: You guys are going to run out of a lot of weapons very soon. <laughs> it's going to be fine. I can take it. Or I can't take it. We're currently in the show. Um, where every week we deal with different political issues that arise through this um, simulation that we're running. And. Currently, the added benefit is our nations are all being visited by a series of time travelers. Incorrect. Currently, zombie
2: apocalypse, but we will get onto
1: oh. the time travelers in a couple of weeks. Sorry, the time travelers came to me a couple of weeks early and informed me of <laughs> what was coming up. <laughs> so, whoops. Different timeline. really confusing. You're
2: a time traveler, so now we have to attack. <laughs> yep,
1: that's fair. This is where it starts. <laughs> now we know the source. And Alex will probably be back in like two weeks. I don't know. Maybe. You'll find out out
2: away from that bear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You'll find out a conclusion to the bear story arc of Alex's uh, time off uh, later on this week during I had a save, right? Uh,
2: Probably next week.
1: Next week. Oh, time travel. is very difficult.
2: (laughs) All right. Okay. Thank you for listening, everyone. So if you want to get in contact with us, there are a number of ways to do it. You can go to our website, which is secondtakepodcast.com. Or you can email us because
1: we have one of those things. We are secondtakepodcast at gmail dot com, and always we've got Facebook. You know, Facebook slash second take. Is that right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. That yeah. one. Or secondtakepodcast. You you find it? Yeah. Oh. And Twitter at
2: second Take tnc. Or we we have an Instagram. Funnily enough, sometimes we post video. No, well, we actually have no videos. No
1: videos of some pictures yet.
2: though. <laughs> that are funny there, were, there was a quite a smart tweed jacket on there the other day oh yes
1: <laughs> yeah uh, I got bored um, <laughs> really also um, if you guys want to support the show we also have a link to our patreon it's patreon.com forward slash second take um, this is a, a, a big variety of ways that you guys can give to us it starts as little as a one dollar per month which is 12 bucks a year and it's pretty pretty low and pretty simple. But we've also got sort of a group goal going at the moment there. So, once we hit our first target, which is collectively uh, $50 a month, we're going to release uh, all of our reviews of the Monty Python film series. Ah, yes. And then yes. the idea is ongoing from there, for every little milestone we hit, we're going to do extra series for everyone. So, sort of a.
2: So, please go on and sponsor us so that we can review the Monty Pythons because I can't watch them until then. It's true. We're not it's, allowed to watch any yeah. movies unless we're reviewing them. <laughs>
1: And yeah, lore.
2: if you want to have a listen to any of the other podcasts that any of us are on, um, go to that's not kind of production dot com, which is the mothership for all of the other, po- all of our other podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. In one of them, I'm a wizard. It's pretty good. Yeah. And I get to torture that wizard. It's even better. <sighs> and maybe just one day there'll be solo podcasts
0: that we do. That solo you can find
2: podcasts. There. Yeah. Where we just talk.
1: We'll book for peace. Maybe there's still a chance they'll listen. Fire every missile we have at that godforsaken mothership and pray to God that it works. No, none of these ideas are going to work. I've got it. What we need to do is tell every citizen to leave their homes naked and just tell them to have sex with toasters in the street. The aliens will be so confused, they'll just sort off.
2: If you'd like to see the alternate takes on political issues ranging from big to small, subscribe to a New World Order podcast at www.thatsnotkindofproductions.com forward slash a New